welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 15, Korai. Oh, can you this believe it? We've made it to 15. 15. We're more than halfway through. Woo! And, and if you're a- still listening, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate each and every listener that we have. Thank Sincerely. you. All four of you. Great. Thank you so much. And Kevin. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, Korai, this is a big episode. This is a really heavy, deep episode, I think. It's a really excellent discussion episode, you know, like when you... When you're in English class and, and you're reading yeah. a book with, with the intention of just discussing it rather than talking about what happened, it actually has issues. Yeah, there's definitely much to discuss, which we will get to as we make our way through this episode. Yeah. So, so this episode originally aired on January 23rd, 1998. So it seems there was a bit of a break between episode 14 and 15 because I think 14 aired back in October of 97, if I'm remembering correctly, from past episodes. So, which seems, you know, how shows sort of worked on premium cable back then. There was sort of a, like, an A and then a B part of the season, you know, split in two. So we've apparently reached that point in Stargate. And it was written by Tom J. Astle, A-S-T-L-E Astle, 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 Astle. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, and directed by Mario as a party. And this is apparently his final directorial episode for Stargate. So oh. farewell, Mario. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, he closed out on a good one, though. He did. He really did. Yeah. This, this might have been his swan song. Did he direct swan? No, he didn't do swan song. Sorry, that just reminded me of Supernatural. Like anytime anybody says, says Swan Song now, I just go to Supernatural. <laughs> you think of the actual I show the you've actual seen called Swan Song. Swan Song, yes. Which was supposed to be the final episode ever of Supernatural, but that's a whole other podcast. You're not here for Supernatural. No, so. but I do love that fun fact that it was supposed to only have five seasons and yes. it ended up having 29 and a half. <laughs> yes. And while I loved it, it is. It, it it went on too long, I'm sorry to say. I love it. I have, like, tattoos. I've been to conventions. I have pictures with everybody, but it, it, it went on too long. Anyway, <laughs> you're not here for Supernatural. You're here for Stargate. And but in, chances are you've seen both. Probably. So in this episode, Tilk must stand trial for a crime committed while he served as first prime of Apophis when a villager on an alien world identifies him as the Jaffa who killed his father. I think this is a really interesting idea because up until then, you know, you don't really think about it until it's presented and then you're like, oh, huh. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Tilk did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this episode opens with SG-1 exiting on an alien planet. And it's a bit different because previous episodes of Stargate has generally been sort of like out in the open on like a hilltop or out in the field or in the woods or somewhere. This seems to be like right in the middle of like a market or a square. Like there's like food stalls right there and there's a building right there. Um, But no person is there when they come through, but there's still like fires burning and stuff. So this is apparently not an abandoned 
civilization, or at least not sort of permanently abandoned. But an interesting thing is that Tilk then comments that he has been here before, and that this is a planet called Cartago, at least the Gould call it Cartago, and that the Gould come here to harvest hosts, which that's, I don't, that terminology is like weird, harvest, like we're corn something, like we're not even people. It's just like, I get why he says it, but it's just like, that's, yeah, that's what the ghouls do. That just, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, but then once they learn that, it's like, okay, well, that's obviously why there's nobody here to greet us because they're probably not used to like friendly visitors. Uh, but so where did everybody go? Do you find it strange that no other culture that they encounter has attempted to, or at least not that they have mentioned, attempted to bury or disable the gate? That it's like out in the open and they obviously yeah. know the only people that go through it are bad people. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I just, I mean, I don't know if I was brought there and there's this piece of technology that seems so far advanced from anything I know if I would think bury it because that would also involve having to topple it over and it's usually on some sort of large stone altar like stairway it's usually not just sort of like on the ground it's usually also like planted on some large stone you know pedestal thing so you'd have to also knock it down and then like bury you know dig a big hole I don't I don't know if I would have the thought of burying it or at least trying to like stack stuff up in front of it or I mean a lot of these cultures have stone yeah. or brick or something you think they yeah would have at least, like put stuff up in front of it yeah I mean maybe they did but as we know the kawoosh like destroys things so maybe you know people have tried it and then the thing that they built just got destroyed so they're like well that doesn't work and kind of just leave it be I don't know that would be an interesting thought though Yes. So SG-1 starts like looking around to try and find where, where everybody is and enter what I, what you presume is just the building that's there in the shop when they come in. And it's a, this large hall that also appears deserted, but then men sort of jump out from behind pillars and stuff with crossbow looking things. And one of them yells, Haka! And so Sam and Jack draw their weapons And Jack asks Daniel if he can maybe find a language to let them know that we're friendly visitors when uh, the guy who yelled Haka before speaks up in English and says, why should we, why, you know, should they believe that they're friendly when they have weapons? So here's your why do aliens speak English, Rachel, (laughs) moment, (laughs) which my husband also commented on when I was rewatching Yeah, especially if they're starting out in a different language. Yeah, that is weird. It's like, foreign language, why should we believe that you're not enemies? Like, could you pick one? Because I'm speaking to you. Yes. Uh, Okay, and so Jack's like, well, you know, you guys have weapons too. So Jack's like, okay, I'll lower my weapon first. And then Sam follows. And then they all lower their weapons too. And the main guy sort of comes forward and like kind of gives each member of SG-1 like a once over and then Tilk turns around and he's like Java and like raises raises his weapon again and we're all like hey 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 no good guy you know yes Jaffa, but he's good guy and yeah no not to this guy cuz Tilk killed his father <gasps> cut to the opening credits 
that's a good thing to end on before you like cut to the opening credits when shows like did that. That that that's a really good sort of opening scene to get into the episode, I think, just from a storytelling yeah. perspective. But I always have the really nonsensical <laughs> thought that like whenever Teal'c is making this super sour, like frowning down face, I can't help but <laughs> notice how well manicured his eyebrows are. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's like his angry, mean, frowny face just highlights them. Yes. And that's just what I think of, of like, you're so angry, but you're so pretty. I know. <laughs> he is. Yeah. And then I go back to the episode. Yeah. I am <laughs> I am very happy when they when they when they let Tilk stop frowning all the time. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good that's good when that happens. And does his rock eyebrow impression. Yes. Then yeah. That, with we the, are with we, the we one eyebrow. Did, yeah. We already did the eyebrow off, didn't we, a couple episodes ago, I think. Yeah. Oh, I think we did. I think yeah. we did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so anyway, so we come back from the opening credits and Tilks doesn't remember this person and doesn't remember like, like killing his father. And he's like, you're lying. And like seems to basically want to like execute him on the spot when one of the other men calls out Hanno, the mandate. So apparently this guy's name is Hanno. And they have some sort of process or trial system in place called Korai. Which, as the scene is going on, there's a quick cut to Daniel in the back, kind of going under his breath, Korai. Like, he's trying to, you know, decipher what it means, which is, like, just one of those fun little character things. Like, that didn't need to be there, but it's also just sort of a reminder of, like, what Daniel does and, like, what he knows, which is always Mm -hmm. nice. And so, Hanno tries to argue that because Tilk is not Bursa, which is apparently the name for the people of this planet that the process doesn't apply to him, but the others manage to basically convince him that it's the right thing to do just in case he's wrong about who Tilk is. But first, they should meet the elders. Jack can't wait. Yay. Yay. Um, So fun fact about Bursa, which is interesting that the name of the planet is Cartago, but the people are called the Bursa. So, but Bursa was a real place. It, was a walled city above the Phoenician harbor in Carthage, Tunisia, and is also the name of like the hill that the city is built on. So I was then also wondering, is Cartago perhaps like a corruption of Carthage? Similar sounding, maybe? Hmm. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Um, But in the Aeneid, Virgil recounts Dido's founding of Carthage, in which the local Berber chieftain offered Dido and her people as much land as could be covered by a single ox hide. Obviously intending her to just, you know, they get that much room. Um, But so what Dido did was she cut the ox hide into tiny strips and then laid them out end to end in a circle until she had completely encased the Bursa hilltop. And so that's how Bursa was founded. Good for Dido. Good for people thinking outside the... Oxide. <laughs> or perhaps inside it? Hey. <laughs> no. no. Oh. Oh. Anyway. So SG-1 are led back outside where people seem to like be coming out of hiding. And Daniel wonders if they were perhaps at some kind of religious event. And Jack's like, why? why is it always a religious thing with you? Why can't they just be at a swap meet? Which I'm kind of with Jack on this one in this situation where... Gate activates, people come through. Tilk knows this planet and explains to them what happens on this planet. Obviously, people are going to go run and hide. I think in this case, Jack's right, Daniel. Like, it's not always a religious 
thing for you. So, I agree too. I like when they put the, it, I think that's also, like you said before, with the little character thing of Daniel, I think that was a fun Jack thing to put in. Yeah. So Hanno tells the team that when the Gould come through the Circona, they go into hiding to try and avoid them and that the Gould are overdue for a visit. So that's why, you know, everybody went run and hide. And Daniel comments that their word for Stargate is interesting because it has both Latin and Greek roots in it. And apparently Circona means circle of woes. And Sam's like, I don't like that. But while they're having this conversation, Hanno seems to whisper something to a young boy who runs off somewhere. And so the others are now out in the square and she calls Jack to like come forward as he's the leader and basically just tells him, you may go. And Jack's like, J- we can just, we can go. Okay. And Daniel's like, but wait, I mean, we want to stay so we can learn about you. Maybe you can learn about us. And she's like, nope, go now, leave. So Jack tells Tilk to dial the gate, but no, mm-mm, Tilk can't go. Tilk has to stay for the core eye. And obviously Jack is not having any of this. Jack, if Tilk can't go, none of them can go. And Tilk once again says he doesn't know who Hanno is. And Hanno holds up this cane is like, if you don't remember my father, do you remember this? And we get this flashback to an old-ish man leaning on a cane and sort of holding his hand out towards Tilk and Apophis yells at Tilk to do it. And the little boy screams, no, but Tilk just raises his staff weapon and shoots the old man. And the little boy like runs to his father and looks up with tears in his eyes at Tilk. And he's just like the most pathetic looking little boy with just, you killed my father. And And the little boy rage. Yes. And so then the shot fades on to Hanno and Hanno is that little boy who saw Tilk kill his father. So Jack orders Tilk not to say anything. And Tilk's like, I must. And he's like, no, it's an order. No, don't say anything. And so Tilk doesn't. And Hanno orders Tilk to be taken into custody. And Jack and Sam raise their weapons to try and stop this. But Daniel sort of like pushes Jack's gun down and it's like, it's like, not, we should not do it this way. This is no... Mm-mm. let's just sort of go with this process and we'll figure things out. And Tilk's uh, weapon and jacket are taken and he's led off to die, jail, we're guessing. Um, I have a question. Okay. Why Why did they take his jacket? I had the same question. Why? <laughs> why did they remove his jacket? Why did they? T- I know, because he doesn't have like the tack vest that like everybody else has that would carry like, you know, ammunition and stuff. I had the same question. Why did they take the jacket? First thing, I was like, why? Why the jacket? Why not also take his pants? I don't know. I mean, was it to make sure he wasn't hiding anything? Maybe? But it's like, you can see. They would have, like, inspected him or something. I don't know. But they immediately are, like, taking off the jacket. Yeah. I had the, yes. Why take the jacket? (laughs) I have in my notes, why take the jacket? (laughs) <laughs> we're starting to look for the weird things <laughs> so we cut to Tilk being taken into a cell and Hanno has just decided that Tilk is guilty and Jack gets them to at least untie Tilk's hands before they leave him in the cell and then SG-1 are left alone and Jack and Sam immediately go to let's break Tilk out of this cell and make a run for the gate 
And Tilk's like, I'm not going to go. That would be disrespectful. And good for Tilk, I guess. And like, you know, Daniel agrees with him too. And he's like, let's just play along. He's like, the nearest as I can tell, Korai is just a simple trial. And Jack's like, yeah, it's the nearest as you can tell that I don't like. Because, yeah, who who really knows what's going to happen? You know, they could could behead him for all we know. But Tilk, again, insists that he's not going to run. So, okay, we're not going to break Tilk out of jail yet, at least. Then we cut to sometime later and three women come in and kneel in front of Tilk's cell. And apparently one of them has been chosen to be Tilk's voice for the Korai. Uh, Daniel explains it's probably like his defense attorney kind of person. And she's there to witness his peccave. And Daniel mentions this is similar to a Latin word and would mean I have sinned. And so I looked up peccave just to see what it means. So peccave itself is not a Latin word, but there is, there's two possible Latin words. There's a uh, peccatum or just peccum and both of which mean sin. So he's not, you know, it's like, yeah, to hear his, you know, confession, basically what, what it is that he has done wrong. So. Although I do, I do kind of question the role of that person because if the entire purpose is that he's guilty already why does she need to hear his confession i i really question what what she would have said would just walk into the room yep yep he did it i mean maybe it's it's more than just yes i did it but you know the full story of what happened from like tilk's side of things like we know hanno's side of things what's tilk's side of the story maybe but it doesn't really seem like the entire proceedings leave room for that. Yeah. So, uh, so, so we just, should we jump to the trial and we'll see what happens? So, but basically Jack's like, uh, no, I'm going to be Tilk's voice. And they're like, okay. And they leave. And Sam's like, are you really the best? Sam, both Sam and Daniel are like, are you sure like you're the best person to do this? Cause you're not the most diplomatic people and you know oh sorry knocking my microphone all over the place and sam's like you know daniel's here with his knowledge of cultures and languages maybe he would be better and jack's like okay fine well i'll do it so they're all going to be tilk's co-counsel basically in this trial and so here 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 comes the trial this is this is interesting people you come Um, to judge yes which Starts off with Hanno kneeling before Tilk and asking his forgiveness for being so angry with him earlier. And so Tilk does forgive him. So we're like, maybe this isn't going to be so bad because this person who was so mad is like, I'm sorry for being mad at you. Uh, And then Hanno stands up and takes this like long staff from the elders. And he tells Tilk that the punishment for killing his father is death and that he will lead the Korai. And Jack's like, "Uh, no, no. How? how is the person who is, you know, the victim in this going to be the one who leads the trial? That's, that's not fair. We need, you know, the judge has to be impartial. And he's like, well, that's absurd. How can anyone not have an opinion about what happened here? How can anybody be impartial? If you have a brain, you have an opinion. Which is actually a very interesting point to raise. It is. We're all trained here to be, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Hear the story. 
But it, there's also that point of why would there be a trial if he's not guilty? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a thing. I also really kind of wonder what would have happened if Teal legitimately was innocent and said, no, it was not me. It was, you know, the dude next to me. How would yeah. things proceed? I mean, the, yeah. the what's that name? What's the main kid's name again? Hanno? Hanno, the one. Yeah. Hey, it's like Han Solo. Hanno. <laughs> he seemed, you know, very angry and adamant that, yes, it was Teal'c, but what if it really wasn't? Yeah. Would he have actually paid attention? Would Teal'c have, you know, died innocently? That's also an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah. Jack uh, respectfully requests that somebody else lead the Korai, and the others are like, well, only the wronged party can understand the pain of what happened, so who who else could be in charge? Because nobody else understands it. And he's like, well, you could. And they're like, mm, no. The Korai will proceed with Hanno presiding. And Daniel's like, only he who is wronged can forgive. Which, I mean, yes, at the end of things, but is only he who wronged the one who must be in charge. I don't know. This is, this is a tricky situation we're getting into here. Mm-hmm. So Hanno asks Tilk if he remembers him now, and Tilk says that he does, and he asks if Tilk killed his father, and Jack's like, don't answer that question, but Tilk does because he did. He admits to killing Hanno's father. So then there's like a bell. There's kind of sound and then Tilk like takes his seat and it seems sort of that's the end of part one of the trial and it's like that was quick like two questions and we're done so Mm -hmm. yeah can Uh, you imagine if our court proceedings were like that (laughs) did you do it yes all right then i the defense prosecution rests (laughs) we're done here done good okay good lunch all right yeah so a bit, we cut to what seems to be, you know, a little bit later, and Jack is alone in the court with Tilk and a couple guards, and Jack asks Tilk why he didn't tell him that he was guilty, and he's like, well, you wouldn't listen when I, if I told you. You wouldn't have listened to me, so I didn't. And Jack asks what happened, and so Tilk says that Apophis ordered him to, kills, to kill Hanno's father. And then Jack asks the guard if they can, like, guard from outside so he can actually, like, be alone with Tilk. And so they do leave. And then Jack tries to argue that Tilk was only following orders. And it's really Apophis who's guilty for the death of Hanno's father and says, uh, the whole concept of chain of command undermines the idea of free will. So here's where we get this, this sort of interesting argument of Tilk was following orders, but Tilk still did the thing. How how guilty is Tilk of killing Hanno's father? Killing Hanno's father? Yes, he he did, but it wasn't his idea. Like he didn't want to. He had to. It's sort of the whole like war criminal argument. Like you know, soldiers following orders and stuff. And you know, there's like you know, it came up a lot in like you know the Nuremberg trials. And everything after World War II, it's, you know, people under, like, the Nazi leadership, it's like, well, we were only following orders. It's like, is that really an excuse for the fact that you still did these things, even if they were maybe not of your, quote unquote, free will? Does chain of command override free will? 
Yeah, I think for this, this is always a really interesting discussion. Um, I think, unfortunately, at this point in the conversation, we're allowed, uh, we're out of our element, um, having neither one of us served in the military or yeah. been part of military families. I mean, you're, you're closer than I is because you're, I can't talk anymore. You are closer than I am since your father was in the police department. So there's at least the knowledge of like the chain of command in life threatening situations there. But I, I yeah. have absolutely no idea how that environment is of, yeah. of, you know, do or die. You do what this person says, or there are dire consequences for you versus if you really, really, really know that what they're doing is wrong, how you're supposed to actually speak up about it or refuse to do whatever this thing is. Right. Yeah. If, if, if any military members or military family members are listening and you actually have some input on this, we honestly would like it. Um, the contact information will be at the end of this episode, please, you know, send us an email with whatever thoughts, opinions you may have on this, because yeah, it's very, it's very tricky. This situation that Tilk is in and we are in. Yeah. Because I know that our our inexperienced opinions yeah. greatly need need to be educated to actually yes. speak properly about this one. Yeah. So Tilk's rebuttal to Jack, though, is, I think, very interesting and says a lot about who Tilk is as a person. And it's really, this case isn't just about Hanno's father. This is about everything that I did while I was in the surface of Apophis. He says, when I look into Hanno's eyes, I see the horror on the faces of many others as their loved ones prepare for Gould absorption. Worse yet is the face of the victims whom I selected as they realize they are about to take their final human breath. Hanno's father is not the first nor the last of those whose lives I've taken, and I have done far worse, O'Neill. I cannot give all of their loved ones retribution, but I can at least give it to this one. I'm sorry, O'Neill. I will not run. So this seems like something Tilk has probably struggled with always, it seems like, from this speech. Like, he's never been comfortable with his position and the things he's had to do, but he's had to do them for, like, the sake of his family and his life and their lives. Which I kind of wonder if that mindset is actually what made Tilk such a good soldier that he became the first prime because that's such a like cherished position within the Jaffa where if his sense of I must do this because otherwise I'm in danger and my family is in danger made him a better soldier which seems odd to say (laughs) that because I mean his his family gained status for his status right it's it's an interesting position to be in. I also think that Jack, you know, a lot of you can see how Richard Dean Anderson is playing this character very well in that you can kind of tell that Jack is almost talking to himself when he's talking to Tilk because yeah. a lot of his first responses to this thing is like, well, I've done terrible things. I've done unspeakable things under, you know, my military and I'm not a bad guy. So it's kind of, I feel like he is pushing it so hard because if Teal'c doesn't agree with him and Teal'c isn't on board with his way of thinking, then he's going to have to do some thinking himself. Yeah. 
And that's yeah. never easy to examine your own internal motivations and guilt yeah. about things. So there's another bell <clears throat> chime noise and everyone basically comes back into the room and Sam and Daniel come back in and they try to come up with a plan for going forward. And basically since Tilk has already pled guilty, the best that they can do is try and just convince these people that Tilk doesn't deserve to die. So they do that by Jack now questioning Daniel, and, who asks him about Sharae. And Daniel explains how it was Tilk who chose Sharae to become the host of the Gould. And the people are like, oh, ooh. And he's like, well, no, the old Tilk, not this Tilk. This Tilk that's in this room now would do anything to help Daniel get his wife back, including giving up his life, which he basically did at the end of Children of the Gods. And, you know, this Tilk is his friend. And then we cut to Sam questioning Tilk. And we get the story then of like what happened at the end of Children of the Gods of Tilk turning his weapons on his fellow guards and that it's very likely he will never see his wife and child again. And then we cut to Daniel walking through the square while apparently the trial is on some kind of break or, you know, pause for a while. Month break. And he's approached by that local woman from earlier who's going to be Tilk's voice. And she's like, are you lost? He's like, no, I'm just, you know, looking around and, you know. Checking things out. Checking things out. And he's like, where do you sleep? Because apparently, like, there's no houses anywhere. And she's like, oh, we sleep in the hiding. So apparently what happens on this planet is that when the gate turns on and they know that means that the ghouls are coming, they run into this like tunnel and cave system that they have hidden like all over the planet. And Daniel's like, oh, so then the ghoul just, you know, catch who's ever like the slowest and can't make it fast enough. And and she's like, oh, no, 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 no. We all go or none of us go. That's interesting. Mm. Hmm. So Daniel then heads back down to Tilk's cell and he's like, okay, Tilk, tell me like the full, the full story of exactly everything that happened that day that you killed Hanno's father. So we cut to a flashback and there, you know, everybody's gathered in that room and Apophis orders Tilk to kill one of the villagers or he will kill all of them. And everybody's like kind of freaking out and like trying to, you know, stay away. But we see Hanno's father sort of out front and he's like holding his hand out and seems to like almost be pleading with Tilk to be like, kill kill me because we see that Hanno's father is like missing like the bottom part of one of his legs so he's obviously going to be like the slowest and keep this group back from being able to get away so Tilk shoots him and so back in the present Tilk ends his story by saying that Apophis chose seven women to go with him but then let the rest of the villagers go and Sam likes this news. She thinks this is great. This is like, oh, so this, this Tilk didn't do this out of any kind of malice. He knew what was going to happen if he didn't kill somebody. And he also knew what these villagers did. So he killed the one that was the slowest. And, but unfortunately, Jack's not convinced. He's like, Hanno's mind is made up. Nothing's going to change this. Like he's going to like punish Tilk to be put to death. So uh, he and Sam are going to head back to Earth for reinforcements while Daniel basically tries to like stall for time for as long as he can. 
And Tilk again, like, insists. He's like, I'm not going to run. And Jack's like, yeah, well, I'll make you. I'll drag you back to Earth myself if I have to. But you're not staying here to be put to death. That's not going to happen under Jack's watch. So then um, a quick cut back to Earth uh, with Sam and Jack coming through on him. It's like, where's Daniel and Tilk? And Jack's like, I'll explain. But first, we need a combat unit ready to, like, go ASAP. And him is like, okay, what's going on now? Please tell me what's going on. But we don't get that yet. Do you find it interesting that immediately Hammond's like, okay, call in the military without actually hearing I mean, what the not, story is? Not really, because I think, you know, he trusts Jack and I think he understands Jack's not the kind of man to act rashly. And it's, you know, going to take time for, you know, this sort of extra unit to be ready to go. So... While they're getting ready, he can get the story. Yeah, mobilize, if you will. So, you know, while they're doing all the prep they need to do, he's getting the story. And then hopefully by the time the story's done, the the combat unit is deemed to be necessary. And then they can just go. Sort of killing two birds with with one stone, if you will, Mm -hmm. I think. But then back on Cartago, Daniel is now questioning Tilk. And basically we get the conclusion that by killing Hanno's father, Tilk saved the lives of literally everyone else. He's like, this is like the lesser of two evils. Like you could kill one person or kill everybody. It's, you know, the whole tram, you know, scenario, if you will. Kill one to save many or just let everybody die. And, but then Hanno speaks up that killing a crippled man is cowardly and evil. And Daniel then brings up what he was told in the village about how their only defense is to run and hide so that again they're only as fast as the slowest among them they all go or none of them go and tilk knew this because he noticed that they seemed to be able to like you know disappear very quickly whenever they came through and he saw hanno's father's injury realized he couldn't move as quickly as the rest of them so he killed hanno's father and in doing so allowed the group to be able to like move faster the next time the Gould came through. And Daniel's like, all of you people here who are alive today to condemn this man to death would probably be dead yourselves if Tilk hadn't killed Hanno's father, the thing you're trying to punish him to death for. So... Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that Daniel didn't go to Hanno and be like, so you would have preferred everyone to die. Yeah. With your father is what I'm hearing because you're... So angry at Teal for killing one man to save everyone. You would have just preferred it the other way around where everyone died. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Hanno's like, I mean, look, I mean, Hanno does see that this is a very moving and valid argument, but Hanno has only one question for Tilk and Daniel. Can his recent actions or any future actions return my father from the dead? No. So that's the end of it. And tomorrow at midday, Tilk will die by his own weapon as Hanno's father did. And I feel like that's always like the, the cliche question that when they have people, people that have lost somebody due to unforeseen, you know, circumstances that, you know, in hindsight could have been avoided, you know, killed, whatnot. They always go like, there will nothing. Can you bring him back? No. Like, oh. But you're alive. You are alive. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very unfortunate and very sad that your father was killed. But you, and like your entire village, is alive. And I think it's, it's also interesting that Tilk doesn't bring up 
because I think only Tilk could, that Hanno's father seemed to be like asking to be killed. It wasn't like Tilk picked him randomly. Like Hanno was standing, Hanno's father was standing there with his hands out, like, look, me, this, do me, I know you have to kill somebody. I know I'm a liability. So pick me, kill me. I just, I find it really interesting that Tilk never brings that up. Oh, I don't think anybody would have believed him anyway. You don't think so? I don't okay. think it would have gone over well if he was like, okay. he was asking for it. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not worded like that. <laughs> I don't think any way he present that, it would have gone over very well. Okay. Right. Even if he was like eloquent about it and was like, we locked eyes and I knew what he was trying to tell me and I got it and he wanted me to save the town. So I didn't know. I don't, I don't yeah. think any sort of, okay. no. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, so then we finally cut back to Earth and Hammond's like, okay, like, I'm sorry, but what exactly is going on? And it's like, yeah, okay, they have Tilt prisoner, but they're all being very respectful about everything. Like, nobody's, like, under attack. Why do you want to, like, attack them? You are not under attack. Like, why do you need this force? And Jack's like, well, I don't, you know, necessarily want to, like, go in and, like, shoot up the whole village, but hopefully by just bringing, like, a massive amount of people and firepower back with us, they'll just, like, give Tilt back. And then... <laughs> We have one of the most interesting comments, I think, ever on the show where Hammond goes, Colonel, the United States is not in the business of interfering in other people's affairs. And O'Neill goes, <laughs> and O'Neill goes, since when, sir? Yeah, since since when? Yeah. Since when? I'm That's what we do. We interfere in other people's business all the time. All the time. Every time. All Every time. If we can get involved, we do. Like... I'm like, okay, all right, Hammond, sure. That's if that's what you want to think. Uh, but turns out Hammond can't authorize the combat unit to go back with them because basically Tilk is a war criminal and he's been captured by the enemy forces. And he and Hammond goes, We don't stop pursuing war criminals just because they have a change of heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of members of like the Nazi Party after World War II would disagree with you, but because you know they happen yeah. to be smart scientists so uh, well, this yeah. is definitely another discussion to which we are out of our element yeah very <laughs> yeah very much. i mean i can you can read up on the nuremberg trials all you want but i don't unless you were there and have experience i don't think any of us can really say anything too much about that yeah. um but Hammond does go on to say that personally he would love to go in and rescue tilk but by the policy set forth set forth by the government he can't and jack's like well let's call the president then do you find it weird that they didn't offer to like bring in more negotiators well i mean can negotiators do anything about prisoners well i mean maybe they didn't even try to send anybody in there to be like we will give you all the food you want all the shelter you know even try to like i don't know buy him back yeah, oh, I didn't really that's think typically, about that. That's typically American, isn't it? Just throw money at it. Just give them, yeah. <laughs> just give well, them that's, what that's, they want. They didn't even try. Probably would have been unsuccessful, but I find yeah. that odd that they didn't even, yeah. like, try. I mean, that's usually more for hostages, and Tilk isn't really a hostage. Well, I mean, in Jack's mind, he is. Yes, I guess. But, yeah, huh. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think about that. That is interesting. No, that's but, yeah. why I'm here. No, thanks. 
Now I have more things to think about. Hmm. Oh, man. Dang it. Stop making me think, Rachel. I will not. <laughs> so back on Cartago, Tilk is back in his cell and there are women like painting his body, apparently in preparation for his death. And there are conveniently some bandages wrapped around his stomach so they don't have to put the prosthetic couch on him <laughs> for this one yeah. scene. I have to put this thing in, too, because I have makeup artist experience that I can't watch any sort of scene where people are, like, putting makeup on somebody or, even better, when somebody has, like, a makeup wound and somebody is is supposed to be cleaning it and all they're doing is, like, dab-a-dab-dab-dab-dab, dab because they don't want to wipe the makeup off, so it just yeah. looks so sad. So this is definitely one of those instances where, like, he already had the makeup on, so the people putting the makeup on are just like, pat, pat, dab-a-dab-dab. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that makeup is already there. <laughs> I know, I can't unsee it every time. I'm just like, oh, alrighty then. Yeah. But, you know, Tilk is basically preparing himself for death and he asks Daniel for one last favor. And that is that he would like the scientists back on Earth to use his body and that of his symbiote to study for their fight against the Gould. And Daniel tries to insist that that won't happen because Jack and Sam are going to be back any moment with reinforcements. And Tilk tries to get Daniel to, like, be like, don't let Jack do that. Like, just don't. Like, he wa- he wants Daniel to try and stop Jack. Which, like, that's not going to happen. Till- um, mm-hmm. And Daniel's like, I-, I respect, you know, your wishes and what you're doing here. But he's going to side with Jack on this. And, you know, Tilk does not deserve to die. He doesn't. So he's going to go. Daniel- Daniel's on Jack's side now at this point. Back on Earth, apparently they did call the president. And the president will not authorize a mission to rescue Tilk because he's not a American and he's not from earth either, which that's a bit rude. Uh, (laughs) And, but unfortunately Hammond agrees and Jack disagrees and Hammond's like, that's fine, but you can't disobey orders. Do you understand Colonel O'Neill? So no Mm -hmm. help is coming. It's just Jack and Sam. So they arrive back in Cartago and the square is like on fire and like, the stall, like food stalls are knocked over and they don't really seem there. There's no sense of urgency to Sam and Jack when they come back and see they're just like, Hmm, things look a little different from when we last left. It's like, yeah, obviously <laughs> something has happened. There's things on fire and stalls knocked over and things burning. Can we get a little urgency here? Um, but, I didn't even really notice that. That's totally true. Yeah. There's kind of like, like hmm, things look different. Hmm. They redecorated. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know um, if I like this one. Yeah. So they finally do get a sense of urgency when they actually see, like, Jaffa hurting people, like, through the square. And then Jack and Sam, like, duck back into the, like, building with the where the cells were. And they head down and they find that the cells are empty. And Sam's like, well, hopefully the Bursa were able to, like, take Tilk with them. So they head back up and take cover from the Jaffa who are apparently there to execute some of the villagers. And they're sort of, like, hiding behind pillars and, like the sort of overhang of the big stone building that's there and they make some kind of noise. And one of the Jaffa looks over and basically sees Sam's like shadow and like fires on them. And he walks over as Carter like runs around the corner, but he hasn't seen Jack yet though. So Jack kind of like scooches, does that thing where he kind of like scoots around the pillar to stay out of sight and then like trips him 
and, and like, does, does he stab him? I'm trying to figure out, like, did Jack, like, trip this guard and then, like, stab? Like, he did something to this guard um, other than just trip him. I tried to figure it out myself. I thought maybe he hit him with something to knock him out. Okay. But, yeah. Sorry, I scratched that. Okay. <laughs> um, I was trying to figure that out myself. I thought maybe he just hit him with something to knock him out. Okay. Anyway, this, this guard is either unconscious or possibly dead. And so they take his staff weapon because that's what you do. And so back inside another room, possibly like the courtroom where they were in before, uh, Hanno's like, apparently Hanno thinks it was Jack that alerted the Gould to like what was going on here. And because now that they, now the Gould seem to know about the Burst's like escape routes. And so apparently, apparently what's happened is everybody has been cut off and like nobody has escaped from this Gould attack at this particular time. I mean, the timing and is suspicious. It's not it a leap. Yeah. And Daniel's like, well, the ghouls aren't stupid. I'm like, well, mm. uh, <laughs> he's like, they probably just figured it out. I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe, I guess. Cause I mean, who would tell them? I don't, there's really nobody to tell them, but Hanno has a plan for like the children and the slowest among them to basically like stay there. And all the sort of able-bodied men and women are like going to go run and try and draw the Jaffa away so that they can escape and Daniel's like, let us help. And he's like, no, you guys stay here. We don't, I still, Hanno still wants to put Tilk to death. No, he's not going to let you help, Daniel. Sorry. So Hanno also tells one of the children that if something should happen to him, that like, he still wants Tilk to die. So Hanno still has not yet changed his mind. Like, Tilk is still dying, according to Hanno. He's in the death makeup already. <laughs> he, he, the death makeup has been applied. The death must be carried out. Yeah. <laughs> So back out to the square and like Hanno and his group come like running through with everybody else that was with him. And like they draw the fire of the Jaffa that were about to like execute the other group of villagers that were out there. And one of those guys gets shot. But then Jack steps out with the staff weapon and shoots the other two Jaffa. And Hanno sees this and nods his thanks. So apparently he doesn't think it was Jack's fault anymore. And... So back in the courtroom, the Jaffa enter and like they find everybody hiding and Daniel's like, Tilk, hide your face just in case they know who you are. And guess who it is? It's our old <gasps> friend Shackle. Tilk is not tracking Shackle. No, Shackle is tracking Tilk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, but a boy managed to like sneak Tilk a knife and he cuts through his bindings because, you know, Tilk has had his hands bound because he's a prisoner. And uh, Daniel tries to like stay and help. And he's like, no, go, like go with the, go with the villagers and like the other Jaffa, I'll, you know, get to you in a minute. And Shackle is apparently very pleased to see Tilk because killing Tilk will mean that Shackle will be the new first prime. So, well, that's not going to happen because Tilk stabs Shackle before he can shoot him. And he actually like apologizes for it. He's like, you know, like Tilk does not seem like happy that he has to do this to, this man who was basically like his brother. But again, it's like, it's a him or me situation. So. Was it Shackle already first prime? Cause he had the gold on his forehead. If I remember correctly, that isn't that the first prime indicator. Eventually. Okay. Yeah. So it could be, I, I don't think yet at this time, the gold thing has specifically been established as the first prime. Oh. Specific symbol mm. so i think that it, that that yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think that specific beat of specific piece of canon comes a bit later but just sort of at this time i think 
the gold is just sort of like very important Jaffa, but not necessarily <laughs> for crime. The AJ? <laughs> yes. Make uh, the AJ. Yes. So Shackle's dead. So Tilt picks up his staff weapon and fires on the other Jaffa so they don't kill the villagers that are in the courtroom with him. And there's another Jaffa who's about to shoot this other group and Tilt like does his like flying leap and, like in front of them to block the blast and he gets hit in the leg. And the slow motion. No. <laughs> it's fantastic. And <laughs> This other, there's another Jaffa who, like, aims at Tilk just as Jack and Sam arrive. And Jack's like, hey, to, like, distract the Jaffa and then, like, shoots him. And so he take he gets taken out. And so all the Jaffa are dead. And Daniel checks on Tilk's wound. And it's apparently a bad one. And they need to get Tilk home. And Tilk's like, no, it's, it's midday. I am ready for my punishment. And he hands Hanno the staff weapon that he had. So even after all this, like, Tilk is still prepared to die for his sins basically at this point am i the only one that noticed that like if you get hit with a staff weapon blast like one and done usually it's because like they've hit you in the chest but like it is obviously pretty powerful if you just get hit like you're down but somehow tilt gets hit in the leg and he's still like walking around well i mean he he he, he does limp a bit a bit but he's also Tilk. He's, you know, he, he's Tilk. <laughs> I just thought, like, okay, you can't be, like, a little bit more injured than that to make it look real. Because you're, like, walking with both legs just fine. Just a yeah. little, just a little bit. I, I don't know. Yeah. TV, you know. TV magic. TV magic, yes. Um, I guess he's really walking it. Walk it off. Walk it off. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, Hanno, however, has seen all of this and he asks, he, he goes up to Tilk and he goes, you would save those who wish to kill you. And Tilk goes, I would save those who deserve to live. So apparently that's all Hanno needed to know. And he says that the Tilk that killed his father is dead and Tilk is free to go. And Hanno hands Tilk back the staff weapon and Tilk has the like the single man tear of pain on his cheek, which is lovely. Of joy and pain. Joy pain, whatever. And then Jack like offers Earth's assistance in helping the Bursa to like sort of defend themselves against the Gould for the future. And they would appreciate that. And like all the Bursa walk off, leaving SG1 to surround Tilk. And Jack like puts his hand on Tilk's shoulder, and everybody looks very somber and serious as we fade to black. And the end. And I'm really happy that they didn't put some sort of like cheesy closing line into this one. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, this was like, you just need to like, okay, Tilk's not going to yeah. die. Let's just. I'm glad that out. nobody was like, so lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have, that would have killed the mood a little bit, I think. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the episode title, uh, fairly self-explanatory, I think, this week. Um, I did try to look up any kind of etym- et- etymology for Korai, if I could, based on uh, Daniel's comment earlier that the Circacona is both like Latin and Greek. The only thing I could find is that core is Latin for heart, or also possibly as the root word for corpus, meaning body. Uh, I couldn't find anything about what I might mean in either Greek or Latin, so... 
No, no, unfortunately, no further explanation other than that Cori is the trial process that Tilk went through. So, hmm. yes. Um, any memos this week? <laughs> Don't volunteer yourself for death. <laughs> I mean, that's that's. I guess that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> without consulting, without consulting yeah. people first. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's kind of it, though, as far as memos go. Um, Tried diplomacy first. Well, they did. Well, I guess further diplomacy, in addition to whatever the planet says diplomacy is. We have a new segment this week. <gasps> what could it be? It's listener questions. Oh, my God. We actually have listeners. That's the exciting part first. <laughs> oh, my God. We do. Well, we have one listener, at least. <laughs> we have one listener. Uh, Kevin! Hi, Kevin. Thanks for writing in. Um, so if you follow us on Twitter, um, we took the week off for this. And so I posted that like, hey, we're not, you know, have an episode this week. So if you have any like questions or comments about Cori, let us know. And so at the Kevin Weaver says, would love to hear what you think about Tilk's willingness to sacrifice himself. Would you be willing to do the same? And you should answer first, since you've had time to think about the question. I have had time to think about this. Because you I knew did, the question was coming. I did know it was coming. Um, I'm, I mean, I don't want to die, but at the same... So, I mean, I don't know if I'd go so far as, like, be willing to put myself up for death, but I'm the kind of person where if I do something wrong... I, you know, will hold myself accountable for that. If you just, if you want to go that way with it, um, as far as the like willing, I don't, I don't, I don't know about the whole willing to die thing, but also again, you know, not military, not anything that has sort of had to deal with those kinds of questions and circumstances. What about you? I would think that if, if Teal'c had the, had the frame of mind to recognize, yes, I have done terrible things to these people and they they deserve an answer for it, that I think he also would have had the ability to think farther out and go, well, if I die, my crusade kind of dies with me. And what I'm trying yeah. to do is ultimately save the universe, really, from... Yeah this race that's just, you know, enslaving people. So I I think that his reaction to was almost as passionate and too quick, uh, most like Hannah's was. Mm, yeah. Um, I think they were both both a little quick on the trigger. Um, Hannah was too quick to accuse him and want him to die. And I think Teal'c was really, you know, haunted by all his stuff was was too quick to agree. I think okay. if both of them would have thought about it a little bit longer, they would have come up with different conclusions. Although we really don't know all the shit that that Teal'c did, we don't no. we don't know all those horrors. So maybe he really does have some some demons in there. Yes, and not just a Gould. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> There's your cheesy ending to the episode, right there. There it is. All right. Well. <laughs> Any other final thoughts or comments then? Well, or did, did Kevin respond? Did he put his own thoughts? He did not. <gasps> Kevin! Okay, so Kevin, there's 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 your job for next week. Let us know uh, your thoughts. Would you would you do the same as Tilk? Would you put yourself up for sacrifice? Let us know. 
All right. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or email us at woo SG rewatch. That's W O O S G rewatch all one word at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Enigma. Bye.